Previously on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, uh, we're waiting on him. Hope, uh, hopefully he joins us here in the next couple minutes. Final segment of the show. Again, you miss any of our conversations. We need Atkins on earlier talking some Colts. Scott Agnes as well. Tons of good conversation. You can find it all uh, 1075thefan.com. So we uh, very much appreciate that. I think Mark is talking uh, to the commish right now. And boy, uh, it's, it would be good to have him on. There's so much to talk about with the NBA. Yeah, it cannot really wait. Is. Again, walking around downtown, just awesome sightseeing yesterday and again we'll be up tonight uh, at the Vogue uh, Tyrese Halliburton Adrian Wojnarowski Grant Hill tweeted out a link to those tickets you can check that out on my Twitter page but uh, really looking forward to the next four days here in our city uh, we will be there to ramp the crowd up that's uh, that's that's what we've been told so we'll do that alright let's go on out uh, going out to the Payless Liquors Hotline Commissioner of the NBA Adam Silver joining us here on this Thursday Commissioner thank you so much for carving out uh, a couple minutes there's real excitement here not only with this team but the All-Star Weekend coming up and uh, we know all the events are going on right now what is the state what does the city mean to the NBA and I guess you your excitement for the big weekend here in Indianapolis. Yeah, well, well, let me begin by by apologizing for missing my window on Tuesday morning. We had some snow in New York, and my trip got delayed a little bit. But I'm I'm here now, and I'm thrilled. You know, as I've said before, to me, first of all, Indianapolis, and I'd say for the whole state, but, but like this is the city and state that work. You know, I travel all over the place. You got you know a, a governor and a mayor and a state legislature that work well with each other, that they came together for this event. Uh, You know, we got delayed by a few years because of COVID, but everybody hung in there and and used the opportunity to make some upgrades um, to the the Gainbridge Fieldhouse and to the area around there. You know, obviously we're taking advantage of Lucas Oil while we're here. It's a city where everything's proximate, so people can walk to events. We got nice weather for being in town. And the whole NBA community is coming together. You know, the issue in our sport, of course, is we don't have a neutral site uh, world, you know, a neutral site Super Bowl or a neutral site big event other than All Star. So people mark their calendars, and and honestly, people from all over the world, not just from the uh, U.S., come to Indianapolis because they want to be with their partners, they want to be with the team personnel, they want to be with you know business associates of the league. So it's just an, a, a multi-day celebration, and as I said, I'm thrilled to be here. He is the commissioner of the NBA. He is Adam Silver with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Commissioner, I know you've been at a couple of Pacers games already this season. Certainly you've been to Indy before. What do you think separates this All-Star game from others that your league has held? Well, you know, I'll, be, I'll begin by saying we started this season with what we were calling our, our back-to-basketball theme uh, led by Joe Dumars who is our head of basketball operations, who recently came to the league office, but of course, you know, multiple championships in, you know, Detroit, both as a player and then as a general manager. And, and I think rightfully so, he wanted to make sure that basketball was front and center in everything we do. Now, that sounds like such an obvious proposition, but if you look at some prior All-Stars, people could fairly say, maybe we, we skewed a little bit more towards the entertainment than the basketball. And I think the notion in coming back to 
Indiana, of all places, the heartland of basketball, was let's return to the traditional format. Let's go back to East versus West. Let's have a 48-minute game, and let's get together with the players and, on one hand, acknowledge that we're not expecting finals-like intensity, but let's put on a good show for the fans. It's not just for the, the, the ticket buyers here in Indianapolis, but there's a huge global audience. People, well over 200 countries, will be watching this game. And, and, and let's demonstrate for fans globally what your unique and special talents are, which include playing a little bit of defense. <laughs> I think it's good. I, I think it's great. Uh, I love some of the traditional stuff that's been brought back, and I think it's just going to be a great weekend. Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, with us here on The Fan on this Thursday. I guess I, I'll ask you this, just because Tyrese Halliburton has been asked about it, and he's talking about it that 65 game threshold that's in the new CBA supermax deals postseason awards uh, it affects all of that what have you made about some of the grumbling from some players maybe even specifically Halliburton on that subject let me begin by saying it, it was not unanticipated because when we sat down with the players association to come up with this new rule the operating premise, and there was not a lot of disagreement across the table, was that we need our star players on the floor. Um, part of it is not only we don't want to disappoint our fans, but there was a recognition that it, when we looked at the data over the last, frankly, two or three decades, despite immense improvements in medical care, improvement in facilities, Addition, additional assistant coaches and trainers and, and every possible category that, that relates to player care, those numbers were just continuing to go down every season. Part of it was the so-called load management uh, and, and tactical resting. But I think back to this theme of Joe Dumars, not just back to basketball, but I, I, I see him sort of with his hand gently pounding the table saying we are an 82 game league we are an 82 game league and we and the players and teams are all in this together and so he said on one hand a certain amount of resting we recognize is appropriate and of course there are going to be injuries during the season so i can't claim it was scientific but we we all compromised essentially on the 65 game limit which is 80 percent of the season and we said for players to be eligible for certain awards, and with those awards, awards come certain financial uh, bonuses, that, 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 that is a fair line. Now, I, of course, in, in adopting a rule like that, there were going to be some players that were going to fall below the line. And, I, you know, I'd only say, you know, I've talked directly to Tyrese. I, I, I think he's, you know, in, in our direct conversations, he, he's been very – he's been a gentleman about it. I get his disappointment, um, and I understand it. First of all, he hasn't missed the 65 threshold yet. You know, he, he, he would still need to miss a few more games not to make that line. And what I've said to him and what I've said to Andre Iguodala, the former player who's now um, the head of the Players Association, let's wait till the end of the season. And, and and reassess where we are. As I said, 65 games, um, there was no magic behind that number. But, but when you think of it in a, as a collective matter, and that's what my job is, and that's ultimately what Andre Iguodala's job is, to think what's in the best interest of the fans, the 30 teams, and the 450 players, it's working so far in that if you look at the number of games that all-star players are playing up till this essentially midpoint of the season, it's up significantly. The guys are responding to the incentives. And, and, and of course, the reason for finding that, that, that 
80% line was we didn't want to go too high and have guys saying, well, now I'm forced to play through injuries, and we didn't want to go too low where it didn't matter. And so if at least, you know, halfway through first season with this new rule, on a collective basis, it seems to be working. But, of course, I'm sympathetic to, to Tyrese. And as I said, at the end of the season, let's look at how it all turned out and sit down with the Players Association and see if we need to make any adjustments. The NBA world calling Indianapolis home. Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, is here in Indy through the remainder, obviously, of All-Star Weekend, about to get busy, busy in the Circle City. Commissioner, I'd say the other thing locally, Pacers fan-centric, that's been a very popular topic dating back probably over a year now, is how we consume Pacers games from a TV streaming standpoint. The Regional Sports Network, I know, has been a big issue league-wide on top of that. How do you foresee the future, uh, again, maybe of the smaller market teams or the Pacers, for example, in our ability to watch them from a TV streaming standpoint? Um. We need a longer show, but I'll, 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 <laughs> we I'll can go my, as long I'll as you need. <laughs> yeah, I'll do my best, hopefully without boring your listeners. Um, it's a, it's a. I'll begin by saying it's a fascinating issue because, sort of, in my evolution as a fan, as a TV watcher, we went largely from a world where, you know, you know, I'm in my early 60s, where it was almost exclusively broadcast television. Then we went to early days of some cable. Then satellite came along. Then we came to a point where people largely received even broadcast television through cable or satellite. And now along comes the disruption of the Internet. And sometimes people forget. I, I think back, we've been doing these technology summits for now 24 years. We, we started it in San Francisco um, literally back to 24 years ago when our All-Star game was, was in Oakland and talking about the impact of technology on sports. And when you think about the Internet as a disruptor, you know, and it's disrupted so many aspects of our lives, or just think about in the NBA, it's disrupted the ticketing business completely. You know, it used to be called scalping, there's a secondary market now, you know, there's, there's, you know, adjustable pricing, there's all kinds of things we can do differently now. The internet, we can do merchandising, e-commerce, you, you name it. But what people forget sometimes is streaming is really just internet TV. And so streaming is inter- has disrupted the sort of traditional cable and satellite television, that, that bundle that we all had been paying a monthly amount for, in, in, in at the end of the day, potentially a very pro-consumer way. And it's pro-consumer in that before you paid a set price and you got a lot of channels that you weren't watching. It was just the nature of it. That's, that's how television was packaged. Then along comes streaming services and says, oh, you don't want all that programming. You can buy just these channels, or there's things called skinny bundles and cable. And it had a big impact on the sports business because while live sports is holding up better than any other content you know, that, that's delivered on television, and my God, just look at that Super Bowl rating they just got. Um, on, the, on the other hand, there are people who are paying for regional sports networks paying for ESPN or TNT that weren't watching it. So that it, it connects also to the 65 game rule, because what I've said to the players in the old days, people just paid for cable and we were paid regardless of people, whether people were watching it these days, when your, your, your television is streamed, you don't have to call your cable company and have them roll a truck to connect you or, you know, or disconnect you. It's just click. And you've decided that you're no longer going to receive that service. So we constantly have to be putting our best foot forward. Now, I would say there's a lot of positive that comes from this transition as well. One, we can produce games using Internet protocol in ways nobody ever thought possible, personalizing the games, customizing the 
games, giving people feeds, following particular players, getting audio commentary that is personalized to you. There's all kinds of wonderful things that will come from these changes. But what we're seeing is enormous amount of disruption. I, I, I think ultimately the, the fans will win because in the old days, not so old days, if the Pacers game was on at 7 o'clock and you were – you know, at work or you were somewhere else or you were at a restaurant and you had to run home to get to the game. Now it's as simple and, and, and is taking out your phone and saying, I can watch the game wherever I am. And it's amazing the clarity. We all remember when Internet, you know, streaming would buffer and it was terrible to watch and impossible to connect. It's crystal clear and beautiful now. And so we just got to work through this transition work. And, and you're seeing it in the marketplace, this, this enormous disruption to companies like Disney and Warner Brothers Discovery, but all these new entrants, you know, Amazon is heavily in the sports business. Uh, YouTube with an NFL, YouTube TV with an NFL package, you know, Apple has an MLS package. So that's positive. I think more technology. And at the end of the day, I'm a huge believer in the marketplace in innovation. So Content, great content will win at the end of the day, but we just got to work through this transition, keeping consumers, fans front and center and make sure there's convenient and easy ways to watch the games. Again, he is Adam Silver, Commissioner of the NBA, with us here. Commissioner, last one from me. I know there's been a lot of talk about expansion for your league and that being on on the horizon. Do you view the Pacers as a long-term tenant here in Indianapolis moving forward even after Herb Simon? Yeah, I don't even... You know, I don't even want to suggest in answering the question that I even think of them as a tenant with a term. I mean, the the Pacers are Indiana's team or Indianapolis team. By the way, you know, shout out to my friend Herb Simon, who, you know, I'm never going to say is the oldest. He's the longest standing owner in the NBA at, at, you know, over 41 years of being the owner of this team. He's been the chairman of our board. He's been involved in every committee. His son Steve is involved, as well as the rest of his family. He has a partner in Steve Rails, um, who's also completely committed to uh, Indianapolis and Indiana. As I said, there's a wonderful um, uh, partnership with local and state government here. This team is absolutely going nowhere. And, it, and also, as I said before, I mean, this is the heartland of basketball. This city punches so far above its weight when it comes to basketball and the NBA. Commissioner, we can't thank you enough. We know you are a busy, busy man and juggling some schedules with the weather earlier this week. So thanks for making time for us. Enjoy Indy. And thank you for helping to uh, bring this great event to our city. Yeah, thank you guys, and thanks for accommodating me and finding another spot for me this morning. Of course, that is the commissioner of the National Basketball Association, Adam Silver, right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Uh, we about 15 seconds left, sorry. Thank you to the <laughs> commissioner for that. I know, I was like, are we up against it? 10 seconds, wrap it up, Bowen. That'll be on the podcast tonight. We're at the Vogue. Tomorrow we're at the convention center. It's All-Star Weekend. We cannot wait. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton, signing off. All right, back at it on this Thursday in the DriveHubler.com studios. KB and Andy hanging out with you. Appreciate Nate Atkins joining us last segment. You miss uh, any of that, any of our conversation, you can check all that out uh, at the Podcast Center at 1075thefan.com. Reminder, tomorrow uh, we're going to be hanging out where? Uh, we don't know exactly where in the convention center. Uh, we'll find out, but we're going to be hanging out there for NBA, uh, all the all-star festivities. and then the crossover. Yeah, two weeks from today. 
day. I don't know. Will we just be out there on that Friday? Probably earlier. No, in the I think week. all week long. There yeah, we go. Yeah, little, yeah. Uh, I think N- multiple days. I should good. say. Good NFL Combine. Yeah, is it worth being out there Monday or Tuesday? No, but, usually uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I want to say coordinators are earlier this year. Or, excuse are me, coaches and GMs. I believe on Tuesday. Ooh, so okay. Uh, we'll have to see when the exact schedule comes out. But yeah, busy couple weeks here in the Circle City. Andy's going to yell at Brian Dable. <laughs> you stink. <laughs> He's heard that enough. That's all he's heard. He doesn't need me to say that. Uh, he's heard that. Second year in a row, sure. my co-host will be escorted out of there, right? After Jake Query's With without a credential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will not. You know, I'm being braggadocious. I'm saying I'm not going to forget my credential. Now I'm going to forget my credential because all the belief we talked uh, about Jake. So anyway, so that'd be a lot of fun. Lots going on. And uh, and uh, yeah, cannot wait. NBA All-Star Weekend, the festivities this weekend, a couple weeks of combine coming uh, to Indianapolis. All right, let's stick with the Pacers conversation. Scott Agnes joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Fieldhouse Files, if you want to follow all of his information. Scott, good morning. Let's start here. Uh, that fourth quarter, and boy, especially down the stretch in the last few minutes, uh, how many different t- how many different times did you think the Pacers were going to win or lose? Yeah, countless times for sure. The fact that you know they didn't score ten points in the final five minutes, and but it was cool to see Pascal get a, a big jumper there. That that was huge there in the final minute and then Shepard to kind of get the stop late in the game. And this is one of those games you just get out of there. Don't apologize. Hope you win and then get to the all-star break. And that was compounded even more. I think Andy, by the fact that the Pacers were down key three key rotational guys, you lose another starter during the game. Uh, the all-star break is finally here in this team. Boy, did they need it. Well said right there. Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files with us here on the Payless Cigars Hotline. I do want to focus on the All-Star game here coming up, but I guess one more in relation to maybe just since we last talked with you, last time we talked was Thursday morning of the trade deadline. Uh, there's been some reporting out there, Scott, that Buddy Heald requested a trade. Do you think that's accurate? Uh, I don't know if it's formally requested. I've insinuated basically the fact that he said, hey, look, I'm not playing – Let me just lay out the circumstances, right? So he's in a contract year. His role decreased. He went from being uh, a starter to the bench. And he's got to consider, hey, look, if if you take less money or if you take a lesser situation right now, it's going to negatively increase future earnings. So I don't think he necessarily put out what you would call a formal trade request. But I think it was – I know it was understood he would prefer to go elsewhere to be in a bigger situation where he was dependent on more. That I do know. Scott Agnes with us here uh, on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Scott, you know, boy, I, you mentioned it on the first answer um, with the health of this team. Now we know – I you know, I have felt better the last couple games about Halliburton. Uh, and so him, you know, we always knew he was going to be heavily involved, is heavily involved in everything this weekend. We hope he doesn't play too much Sunday night in the All-Star game. But I, I, I'm not as worried about him right now. You may be. We can talk about that. But, you know, Jalen Smith with the back injury, I mean, I think Miles Turner's fine, but he has been, you know, kind of up and down health-wise in the last couple weeks. And 
then, you know, Neesmith goes down. That is such a big deal. Um, and then Matherin on top of it. I, I'm a very strong believer, Scott, that Matherin should not be playing in any of these events this weekend with, with his health. You know, right now as we go into the All-Star break, I really feel like injuries and the health of this team, that's the number one thing that I feel and that I kind of want to talk about with this basketball team. No, I totally agree. It does feel, I'm with you, a little surface level, right? But at the same time, without the health, without guys actively available for each game, uh, all the rest doesn't much matter. And as these these injuries, especially the sore backs, that's the one that concerns me is those kind of pile up with two, three different guys um, out there. Here's the thing with Matherin. Saturday Saturday night's awfully difficult to cancel considering you're one of the, one of three uh, featured guys. Now, also keep in mind it's a skills challenge right. and it could last anywhere from five to thirty minutes realistically. In addition to you know warm ups or guys jog through that. Let's be honest. That's not that's not very taxing. The game on the other hand, Friday night absolutely is because you're trying to win, you're trying to advance, and it's a collection of guys that's. Uh, your average person does not know, and they're looking for any opportunity, much like Max McClung in the dunk contest previously. Now he's become more of a name in basketball because of it. Matherin will be one of those guys regardless of whether he plays or not on Friday. But um, it's been a combination for Ben of both both a little bit not feeling right, bumping his knee, as I think Rick explained on the show this week, uh, you know, four or five games ago. And then on top of that, there's been a flu or a flu illness bug that's gone around the team um, that also has impacted him. I'm curious how he's feeling just from that standpoint here in the last few days. He is Scott Agnes. He's with us here from the Fieldhouse Files. I want to shift gears to the All-Star Weekend. Scott, you were in Salt Lake City last year, right? Yeah, I was. Okay, and if I remember correctly, there were some things that either didn't go well or just, you know, logistically items that you didn't think was the most smooth. Uh, if you could, could you share maybe some of those things that you feel like Indy, you know, whatever, needs to try to do differently than Salt Lake City? Well, the, the number one thing that stands out to me won't be a problem because of where everything is, how centrally located. Like, you're going at most a half a mile, right, from, from a hotel to an, a venue or to the convention center to another venue. Um, the biggest thing for a, a lot of us was this Saturday morning where we'll have um, uh, media availability for a chance to interview everyone involved in these different things, um, as well as the all-star practices. And that was held at the University of Utah. Uh, we got on the bus. It took like 25 minutes. The bus got lost. It added more time to it. That won't even be a factor uh, when it comes to Indy. Uh, a couple other random different things was just being in Utah, bars in uh, places. Some of those places shut down early. Uh, I think there was uh, a couple times I heard about people going at you know reasonable hours at midnight or 1 a.m. on a major weekend with, uh, you know, they're expecting an additional 125,000 people in downtown Indy this weekend, and and places had closed early or were at, were cut off early. That won't I don't think be a problem at all here. Um, uh, otherwise, it, it was it went very smoothly. Uh, my biggest um, concern with it again is the is the opposite of what Indy normally does, and so it shouldn't be an issue is it didn't feel like the like outside of like two or three blocks like the city was all involved or anything like if you stepped out four blocks you wouldn't know an all-star game is there and that's not at all the case already here with Indy 
Yeah, I was going to say, I walked yesterday from our off or our studio here in the Circle, over the Convention Center, over to Gamebridge, back to the Circle, and yeah, I mean, multiple blocks, of course, and easily feels like something big is going on. Is there like a under-the-radar event, like a must-check-out for you? I mean, obviously, it's difficult to get into Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Those are some ticketed, you know, high-ticketed items, and even expanding the venue of Lucas Oil for Saturday night, it still is not a guarantee that people will be in the building there. So anything else that you've seen kind of pop up on the schedule you'd encourage some people to check out outside of, I think, just the general walking around of downtown? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, especially if you have kids um, and, and want to do interactions, have some like photo elements or shoot hoops at a mini hoop, those sorts of things, and we're, we'll get the full layout today at a media preview, is that NBA crossover. Uh, I think it's $35 for adults, 20 for everyone else. But Indy, of course, is going even bigger, KB. So uh, for what it was at the convention center at Salt Lake City, it's twice the size. It's like 400,000 square feet. Um, it's it's going to be massive, so I'm very curious of what it looks like when I get in there for the first time here uh, this afternoon. But there's a lot to do there, and I also bring that up because, man, if you just show up at the convention center NBA crossover starting at like 2 tomorrow, here's just some of the names I have. Miles Turner, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Tyrese Maxey, Roy Hibbert, Obi Toppin, Cody Zeller, Jarris Walker, and that's just – um, tomorrow, KB, from 2 to 6.30. So I know I realize some fans, you know, haven't got those interactions with players or some want to get the autograph or one want, some want to put a, their, make sure their kid gets in front of them. I would encourage people to check out that. Outside of um, NBA crossover, I would definitely recommend, like you just did yesterday, walking around. And then if, if, if it's like you and a buddy or, or whatever, um, I would consider splurging a little bit and going to Saturday night. Realize, hey, yes, it's – Stadium basketball is not the best thing, but this might be the once in a lifetime that it's in Indy or that you have a opportunity to go and you can get tickets for reasonable prices, something probably anywhere from a hundred to $200. I think right now, last I looked on the resale market um, just to get in. And I think that would be worth it because Sunday that's going to probably start at like $800 really um, is very much a corporate partner type event. Come on, just pull out uh, $1,600. Come on. That's <laughs> nothing. You and a buddy, just pull out two grand and go uh, go see the All-Star game. Scott Agnes with us. Um, easy- I guess it just depends how much luck, Andy, you had last <laughs> week at the craft table at Vegas. Uh, not very much for me. I did love, we talked about it earlier in the week, uh, the Colts player Zaire Franklin tweeted out Vegas won when he was leaving uh, when he was leaving Las Vegas, and I think we've all it been there. It always does. They, yeah, they, they always do. Do you like the East? versus west i know they've tried different things do you like it just hey it's east versus west because i guess i do in the end i do because i want to simplify things i keep in mind that there's probably a lot of casual viewers a lot of more newer newer viewers these aren't just basketball purists watching these bigger marquee events and the nba goes all in on this weekend they'll be so many people from nba.com nba tv turner sports all that sort of thing and what i'm getting at here is what i like is the fact that it's, it's something everyone recognizes. It's East, it's West. You know LeBron's on the West team. Tyrese Halliburton, East team. You know the West coach coach coaches the West team. Um, I will say I didn't mind, in, at least initially, that thought of the draft. Like, it did have that special, like, drama element. We know the NBA uh, in particular is good with drama and NBA Twitter and such. But it just got too far outside the game, right, when you're having a draft and that – 
doesn't just last 10 minutes. Like, that stretches out to an hour. And then you have a concert. And then you're putting guys back out there for another warm-up. It's, there's no, you know, it's totally understandable, as some guys said last year in Salt Lake City. Like, uh, it's hard to get right back at it when it's treated more like kind of an entertainment versus a basketball game. They're trying to get back to a basketball game. And so I, I think they'll have some special elements in store, but I am glad, Andy, that they did restore that. They did get rid of the Elam ending. That's another thing I think a lot of people either don't understand or why are you using it. Right. They did away with that. Let's get back to, you know, true basketball, and I think that's what they're doing with this. I actually like the Elam ending. I, I, thought, <laughs> I, do too. I thought it made for a decently competitive fourth quarter, at least, or final few minutes. I get it was a little confusing, but it, actually They it. also reset the scores kind of at the end of the, each quarter, which confused it. I think. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was weird. Because of the charity aspect. Right, right. Yeah, that it was a um, different item that they've done for the All-Star Game. Scott, great stuff, man. Um, I cannot encourage people more to continue to obviously follow Scott Agnes' work, Fieldhouse Files, but he will be boots on the ground for All-Star Weekend here for the next few days. Scott, thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. We'll talk some Colts. Nate Atkins is going to join us here in just a second. Scott Agnes, we'll talk some Pacers with him, bottom of the hour at about 8.30. And then we're slotted to talk to NBA Commissioner Adam Silver coming your way at about 9.45. I don't know. Me and Mark were talking. I don't know if he's in town yet or if he's in town later today. Okay, so good. So uh, Adam Silver, uh, hopefully we get that done at 9.45 or so. All right, let's let's jump on out to the Payless Lakers hotline. Nate Atkins joins us following the Colts there for the Indianapolis star. Nate, good morning. I guess let's start here. Uh, You mentioned next year in different ways, and I'll let you break it down. Bringing back Pittman, Grover, Blackman, and Kenny Moore. Uh, Which of those four do you feel confident? Uh, Maybe even move Pittman aside. Which of the other three do you feel most confident will be back? Which of the three do you feel least confident that may be back next season? Yeah, that's a great question because they're kind of kind of in a similar camp where I think that their value to the Colts might be a little stronger than their value elsewhere. And there are three guys I think who will want to come back. But of them, I think Grover Stewart, I would say, is most likely to be back. Just uh, just the fit here seems a little too good uh, for him when you consider these. You know, the, the value he has playing right next to De- DeForest Buckner, what he does to to kind of elevate their biggest investment on defense in the run game and then the fact that they just don't have anything else to really look at at that position. We saw when he stepped out of the uh, the lineup for six games for a suspension last season, uh, the, their run defense kind of fell apart. They allowed a, a whole yard per uh, carry more without him on the field than with him on the field. And it's, you know, a position where you, you don't feel like you can trust a rookie given just how kind of physically developed you have to be to play nose tackle and, you know, I think it's a thing where his, you know, he missed six games for a, uh, you know, a, a performance enhancing drug suspension, uh, which isn't great, obviously, but the Colts really believe it was an innocent mistake. Uh, I think, I don't think they will hold that against him the way that, uh, that, that it might ding him a little bit more on the open market. So uh, that's one that I just think is going to be an easy signing for Chris Ballard, who, uh, you know, obviously always wants the trenches to be really, really strong. And I, I think there's a fit there between those two. I kind of put them all in a similar camp like that, though. But if I had to pick one that I think is most likely to depart, I'd go with Kenny Moore just because I, I wonder if there's you know a scheme out there that will value him a little bit more and pay him a little bit more, which 
you know, was front of mind for him just about a year and a half ago when he you know, had a little bit of a sort of mini hold in, I guess you could say, where he was out there at, uh, the, at, at mini camp and OTAs and whatnot, but he was asking for a new contract. Uh, felt like he wasn't paid at the rate he wanted to be paid at, and he had a nice bounce back season. So I think I think there's a fit there too, but uh, but but maybe less so than with other teams, and, and maybe he could find something else out there that uh, that that can pay what he was looking for. Uh, but I think all three of them are kind of in a spot where uh, they're they're maybe not. I, I don't know if they're going to find as much on the open market as they probably want. Uh, that's where Michael Pittman Jr. would be different if he gets away with the franchise tag, but I don't think he will. So uh, I, had, I had those four guys as re-signings because I think they should be back, but I also think it's likely that uh, the four of them will be back. Yeah, the Colts allowed 4.7 yards per carry without Grover Stewart, 3.7 with him. That is a wild discrepancy for one player in his absence this season. Uh, Nate Atkins from the Star, great article he's got up. 10-step offseason plan, lays out a blueprint for the Colts here. Um, You opened up a little bit of money while not parting ways with anyone on the roster. Could you share what what your thought process was with doing that to DeForest Buckner? Yeah, of course, these are just hypothetical ideas, sure. and Chris Ballard knows a lot more about this than I do, but just playing around you with You sounded it, was... smart in the story, which is all that matters. You just got to yeah, be... Com- just, Listen, you just got to come correct. It. You got to come correct to be confident, Nate, and people will buy you. iPhone okay? calculator, Nate. Beautiful. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was just kind of looking around at, like, is there a player that they might want to extend at this point now that... You know, this is a very different offseason than last year when they didn't want to extend anybody at that time, even Jonathan Taylor, because they just weren't sure what their timeline was. They weren't sure if they had the quarterback yet. And now they have a feeling between Shane Steichen and Anthony Richardson that they do. So I thought DeForest Buckner was a guy that he's entering a, a final year of his contract. It's going to pay him around $22 million. And that's a guy that they could, I think they should want to still be here. He's playing at such a high level. He's one of only three players in the league with uh, six plus sacks and seven in seven straight seasons, and the others being Chris Jones and Miles Garrett. So uh, he's right at the age that Javon Hargrave just signed a massive deal with the 49ers on the open market uh, for like four years. So I figured maybe maybe there's a three-year extension with DeForest Buckner that would lock him in for the remainder of Richardson's rookie deal uh, when you have all this money. Yeah, but also it gives them an opportunity if you sign like a three-year extension instead of him being in one final year, you can kind of spread that money out and push it into future years and the cap goes up. That's a way to be a little bit more aggressive. And I think this is an offseason unlike last when they can consider being a little bit more aggressive, keeping their own guys in, going out and getting others because they were just a step from the playoffs. And they feel like, at least theoretically, they have the coach and the quarterback in the window. And so I think uh, – not not getting to a spot where you have to replace DeForest Buckner in a year would be you know, a smart move to try to, to move that contention forward. Nate Atkins uh, from the Star following the Colts here on the Payless Liquors Hotline on this Thursday on the Wake Up Call. You know, I think what they do at corner is going to be interesting. And you bring up in the piece, bringing in a veteran presence like a Kendall Fuller the last several years there in Washington, played for Kansas City as well. And I like that more so than going there in the first round of the draft. Now, many, many mock drafts have them taking, whether 
whether it be Terry on Arnold or the corner from Toledo, that seems to be kind of what people have slotted for the Colts in all these mock drafts. Why do you feel that they should go veteran here and not go first round corner? Yeah, I think what happens with mock drafts, and it's very understandable because I've had to do many of them over the years, is you just look up to see what another team's top need is, and then you find a fit in the first round. And their first, their top needs, no doubt, outside corner. And so I get that thought process. But I think the issue, like with a lot of these position groups, you're trying to build an entire room out uh, that that's a mix of, you know, youth and upside and experience and. Uh, you know, and make the money work too. And so last year they went to the draft. That was how they built their room out with three different uh, draft picks. And then they kept two of them. Uh, and, and one of them is obviously going to be a starter, you know, in their minds and Juju Brunson's a second round pick. So I just didn't think if they're, you know, the big issue last year was obviously the cornerback play on the outside wasn't good enough, but it also wasn't experienced enough. So Going to the draft only solves one of those issues in my mind. I think it's dangerous to think that that's going to kind of solve everything right away. And, and now all of a sudden you can be a contender when you have, you go into next year if they draft a first round corner and their two outside corners would combine for nine games in the NFL. I think that's just a little tough way to, to try and live in a passing league, a tough way to try to make your mark in the AFC and the AFC South with DJ Stroud and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, it's, Chris Fowler talks a lot about, you know, not putting too much on a rookie. And I think that would be, uh, you know, that, that'd be creeping into that territory. At the very least, I think they'd need to sign a veteran. They feel like they can play there. Uh, but, you know, they got good, good enough snaps out of Jalen Jones last year that, you know, you don't want to fully edge him out either. So I just thought outside corner was a good spot to go to in free agency where, uh, you can you can get a, a pretty good player. You have to pay a little bit, but they're not paying anything to the room, really nothing at all until they decide what to do with Kenny Moore. But even Kenny Moore, if they bring him back, I don't think it's going to be a big enough contract to, to worry about there. So to me, it just kind of fit uh, the timelines of it all because also what's going to happen is if, and obviously this would be a good problem to have, but if they really hit on this pick this year and if they draft a, a first-round corner, then all of a sudden in, in – a few years, you have you know two different outside corners who could be up for extension in that player and uh, Juju Brents. Now that's that's not the reason not to do it, but it, it is it is a helpful bonus to kind of stagger the timelines a little bit. And maybe I was just thinking maybe like in a year or two go back to the well at, at outside corner because you always need them. Uh, but you know I think it helps to kind of stagger it and have a veteran and a young player there. I think that's a pretty good mix. He is Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Again, we're about two weeks away from the Combine starting up, free uh, franchise tag window opening up next week. So finally some Colts uh, action items for the offseason about to start up here. Nate, how do you think Chris Ballard views tight end? Do you think he thinks it's a need? Yeah, that's a great question because I, I, I feel like that's a position we did not happened to talk much about with him in, in like an hour uh, at the end of the season because there's so much else going on. I mean, I know he loved, at the time when they made the draft picks, he loved Jelani Woods and he loved Drew Ogletree, and he was understanding there'd be a, a gap in there and a, a bit of a youth move for a couple years. Uh, but, you know, now, they're now in a spot, you know, two years later where Jelani Woods missed an entire season for these ongoing hamstring issues. You know, and then Drew Ogletree's 
you know, entire, you know, future is up in the air uh, with the legal situation he's dealing with. So uh, all of a sudden, I, I think he'd have to look at it as a need, especially when you consider Calvin Granson's entering a contract year. Mo Cox is entering a contract year and getting a little bit, uh, you know, he's into his entering his thirties now. Uh, you know, so it's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to speak for him when we haven't, uh, that's something we'll get at when we see him at the combine, but I would have to think, if you look across this offense right now, I think you can, especially if you take a kind of rosy view of what they've already invested in, I think you could tuck yourself into just about every position right now on this offense, even guys like you know Alec Pierce who haven't had that uh, big-arm quarterback to, to really unlock their skill set, uh, you know, except for tight end. You know, you would have to truly believe that Jel- Jelani Woods will bounce back from missing the entire year from hamstring injuries, and, and they certainly hope that he will. But they also want to have a situation where they have multiple tight ends that they trust at all times. And so unless you really want to accelerate the uh, the responsibilities on Will Mallory and assume that, that Jelani Woods will take a step back, it's possible they just delay it for a year because they have Colin Grants in a contract year. They can bring Mo Alley-Cox back. But I have to think that that, that position is very much on the table as – a kind of upgrade spot, especially because I have a feeling that, you know, as he has conversations with Shane Steichen about what he really wants in an offense, that's the thing I think they could have really used was that go-to reliable, you know, one tight end uh, to, to kind of put out there and exploit mismatches. He had it with Dallas Goddard in Philadelphia, and then he just didn't have anything really close to it uh, last year in Indy. So that, that to me is a spot that's like a – there's a clear upgrade to be had there without taking away from anybody else in the room. Because if Jelani Woods were to break break out this season and he's your number two tight end, then you know I, I don't think Shane Steichen's going to complain if he has multiple tight ends uh, to scheme up good plays for. Yeah, you use the word clear. It, it's just glaring that there is an upgrade to be had. And, you know, what stinks about the season, you didn't get all the data on Anthony Richardson. You didn't get any on Jelani Woods unless you think, okay, this is a player who's going to be often injured. Then maybe you did, but uh, that's what does stink about last year, hoping to see Jelani Woods build on what he did at the end uh, of the year before. Nate Atkins from the Star with us, talking some Colts on the Payless Liquors Hotline. What do you think next season, if he's healthy uh, and he should be uh, that Evan Hall can be in this offense and then just running back in general we were talking about it before you came on Nate and you know I am very I, yeah, I brought up Jarek McKinnon who I know he's 32 uh, more of a pass catcher I, I kind of want to see that in the offense you mentioned Gus Edwards who would be very much in the Zach Moss backup running back to Jonathan Taylor what do you think ultimately they need at that position behind JT and how much do you think Ballard will want to spend? Uh, I think as far as how much he's going to want to spend, probably not a ton because he just did it with Jonathan Taylor and the market is set up to where the kind of guys you would look for after Jonathan Taylor, I don't think you have to necessarily spend a lot on. So that's kind of why in just as I was laying it out, I thought Zach Moss is more likely to leave. It's just, I think he'll find more of what he's looking for from another team that, that may look at him as a starter where that's not possible here really. Uh, but, you know, out, outside Jonathan Taylor, you know, he's going to be, Jonathan Taylor's going to be your breakaway runner, your workhorse type of back. I, I think you need uh, a, a combination of a, a short yardage back like they had in Moss. And then you need a guy who can 
uh, play third downs and be a little bit more, you know, a scheme up guy in the in the passing game. Uh, that's what they kind of missed at the end of last season when you know the, the way the season ended with that fourth down call. They really needed you know kind of reliable uh, pass catching running back. And so Evan Hull will come into this year. He's essentially a rookie. Unfortunately, he missed all but like uh, just one game. Uh, due to a meniscus injury, so they don't fully know what they have in him. I do think it's a little different than, like, I, I do think they saw enough in preseason and training camp to really like his pass protection skills. It really looked advanced for a rookie, and I, so I think they'll, I think they'll have a role for him. I think he can be uh, that kind of a guy, which would put more emphasis on the short yardage spec because that's not his skill set at all. That's kind of why Gus Edwards uh, stood out to me, but. Uh, but when you bring up a guy like Jerick McKinnon, it is possible that they just, you know, rather than, than bank on Evan Holt being this receiver third down back that they haven't seen yet, they could go out and get something, you know, more proven at, at being that. So, uh, you know, I think Evan Holt surprised them or, or impressed them more as pass protector than a receiver. So if they really want to emphasize the receiving, uh, I think they can do that. Uh, but I have a feeling they'll they'll go for a guy that is a number two running back that can do some short yardage stuff, and at least be sort of adequate in the passing game too. The Gus Edwards stood out to me that way, but Zach Moss I think is is similar in that camp. Uh, some some kind of guy that will will be able to do a few different things uh, without maybe being electric at any one of them. Nate, last last one. Um, I believe yesterday Drew Ogletree was scheduled for uh, Court Nate in Hendricks County. Did you you happen to see anything out of that? I I, I did not. I honestly probably should have looked that up a little bit more before the show. No, I actually have to. I have to check in with that. I had uh, yeah, I'd been covering that when it was when it was happening at the start, and then and then I need to follow up too. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see that play out again. No free agents at tight end. That's part of the reason why you know toss that question to Nate because it, it wasn't one that Chris Bowd really brought up a few weeks ago. Granted, he wasn't asked specifically about that, so maybe a question for him coming up at the combine. Nate, great work, man. I thought that was really well done. Uh, you covered a lot of bases on that. Uh, very open minded with it. So enjoyed that read over on the uh, Indy Star. And if we don't see you before, we'll see you at the combine in a couple weeks. Yep, should be fun. All-Star weekend and combine in just like three weeks here. So, Boom. Indy's going to be busy.